Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host Patrick from Polestring Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick, good morning. Surfaces. See how you are? Tolman and Weicker Surfaces. See, now he's going to call. Greg's going to, Greg, don't call me. Greg's going to call. Greg's going to call and say, we don't offer surfaces. We offer services. They do. Great services at that. <laughs> and I want to uh, say hi again to, um, this is your second time on the pod, uh, Seth Streeter, who is uh, Mission Wealth. He's the CEO of Mission Wealth uh, here in Santa Barbara. We did a great show early in the pod, like yes, we did. three years ago. Yes, we Thank did. you for that. And you're back. And you're back because of this fantastic new project you're doing called sustainablefuture.org. That's correct. And it, I saw it on Facebook. I think I got invited to join it on Facebook, or you tagged me, or somebody tagged mm-hmm. me on Facebook. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And and it is fascinating, and that's why I thought we should talk about it. So tell us what Sustainable Future is. Sure. Well, Sustainable Future has been something that's evolved over the last two years, and essentially it's a platform to amplify all the wonderful programs that about 50 environmental nonprofits in Santa Barbara County put together for our community. And it's also designed to use game mechanics to incentivize people to make positive behavior changes that can support not just environmental stewardship, but also community resiliency and personal well-being. So let's take that slower, unpack that. Sure. Game mechanics. Right. So research has shown if we want to get people to change behavior, so it could be something as simple as using a reusable water bottle instead of a plastic bottle each time. Right. We have to make it worth their while. And uh, with the world of social media as it is today, we've realized that people like to get peer validation. They like to get, uh, you know, out of boys, out of girls and badges and honors. And they also like to see friends doing certain things and joining other friend groups and meeting new people of shared interests. So what we're doing with this is it's essentially like a Facebook for sustainability. It's a app that people can download on their smartphone and they can start to gain awareness around all sorts of things we can do to make our community more resilient, to improve our personal health, and to help our environment. So it's not just a website, it's actually an app. It's an app, yeah. It's designed to be with our phone because that's where we are when we're living our life. Yep, yep, yep. Everything's changed, hasn't it? It has, indeed. It's like that computer in our pocket. Right. Um, and, And so I've gotten on there and there are so many interesting things you can get involved with. I'm curious, what's your target demographic? Right. Well, it's interesting. We just uh, launched at Earth Day a couple weeks ago here in Santa Barbara, California. And Earth Day had 200 different organizations there uh, showing their own, you know, programs and come ride the electric bike and try our dairy-free ice cream. And of course, listen, listen to some great music. And what we did to showcase our platform, and this will answer the demographic question, is uh, we created a scavenger hunt on our platform. So people could come download our app, and then they could get points to go by and ride that electric bike or sign the Environmental Defense Center's uh, beach cleanup uh, sign up. 
uh, go to the food bank uh, booth. And in doing so, they got points and we gave out awards. We had Rusty's Pizza, Donate Pizzas. We had Girl Scout cookies. We had, uh, you know, some fun incentives for people to be rewarded by that. And what we realized is that kind of as the day went on, initially we had kind of uh, early people just looking for free stuff, kind of walking in who maybe had spent the night in the park. Then we had, uh, you know, older people who came by saying, do you have any flyers about this? You know, and we thought, well, here's an app. Could we download it for you? Well, my flip phone's, you know, that's kind of tricky, but I'll take a flyer. And then we had the families come through and the kids were interested and the parents then started to download uh, the app. And then about midday, we started to get the younger folks. So I'm talking teens all the way up to 20s and 30s who are probably there more for the concert and perhaps a beer garden than all the Earth Day uh, other festivities. And they were all over it. So it was like a Uh, really interesting beta. They were signing up right away. They were tagging themselves. They were posting photos. Uh, So clearly, I think this is going to be for the millennials, most likely. Digital natives. Digital natives. That's another way to put it. And (laughs) and another core uh, component to Sustainable Future is that we want to touch people through the organizations that they are involved with. So we have five different core pillar groups, we're calling them. Which are? Which are nonprofits. So as I said, maybe there's someone who loves Heal the Ocean or Community Environmental Council. Yep. It's going to be businesses. So here in town, we have wonderful businesses, Procor, Deckers, you know, number of businesses they might work at. And those businesses might have their own initiatives that they're wanting to promote. And we can sure. customize on their own Deckers page or their own Procor page. Uh, I want to interrupt for a second. Is the business giving roundtable aligned with you guys at all? They would be, and I think they'd be interested to tie in. Okay, so that's got something it. we're, we're okay, on our radar. Got it. So I've the, got nonprofits, businesses. Right. The third group would be schools. Got so it. we want to touch kids uh, who can, you know, learn these behaviors and learn about composting, and then go home and say, "Hey, mom and dad, why don't we compost our food?" Right. We didn't right. realize how much of our food ends up in the landfill when we could divert that. Right. Uh, so schools, we want to hit middle school and high school, and we're already speaking to UCSB and City College. So we want to go kind of middle school and up. And then the next sector is the public sector. So we are speaking to both the city of Santa Barbara and the county of Santa Barbara because they both have sustainability teams. And they're considering launching this into their employee group. So teachers, firefighters, you know, county employees. And then the final group is we wanted to hit a little bit of the older demographic who might not be the digital natives. Some are. And that would be the faith-based organizations. So uh-huh. synagogues, churches. And there already are groups that uh, are participating in what's called eco-faith programs. So we are speaking to different faith-based organizations so they can start to have campaigns. And then a great example at Earth Day is I saw multiple organizations had beach cleanups advertised, mm. and yet they didn't necessarily know about each other's beach cleanup at the same beach within weeks of each other. And that's what I've seen in the nonprofit world and even in businesses is there's kind of a silo mentality where these organizations have their own donors, their own volunteers, their own programs, and they're not necessarily looking broader. So we could, on our platform, have a beach cleanup, and you could have people from Unity Church come by, Deckers and Procore employees, you could have students from La Colina and San Marcos High School, and we all together could have a beach cleanup, and then you could have Explore Ecology or Santa Barbara Channel Keeper come give a talk on the importance of clean oceans and how much plastic ends up in the ocean. So you could really amplify great, great things that are happening in our county through this unification via technology. This podcast is an outgrowth of a similar project three years ago, four years ago now, 805 Connect. Right which was, you know, how do we de-silo 
everything. And we were just looking at the business community, right? People were just didn't know there was someone right down the block or mm-hmm. there was a good or service that they went to L.A. or San Francisco for, and yet it might be in North County or it might be in Ventura. And so, but it was really challenging communicating with those people, like ultra challenging. And mm-hmm. what we found was that actually the podcast works really well. That's why we do this show is for the same thing, kind of get that information out there. Mm-hmm. What's your plan for that part? Because that's, I mean, th- these are lofty goals, right? Yes. Connecting all this. I mm-hmm. get that, right? And and there's a big gap. There isn't, I mean, this is exactly what, there's, I would also say public sector is also um, uh, the government offices and all of that as well, right? So I'm sure yes. that's involved. And, and now you're connecting, you know, this is the big Uber connector, but it's one thing you're doing specifically is mine was around business, yours is around in, environmental. But at the head of the show, you said environmental nonprofits. Is everybody nonprofit? It, it doesn't no, feel like not it. At all. No, no, it's businesses, public employees, schools, right. faith-based organizations. So no, my, my initial vision was how can we help unify these nonprofits, 50 or so local nonprofits right. around a common rally cry, which ended up being climate change. Yeah. And that's what Sustain SB was, the precursor organization to sustainable future. But then as I started looking at it, I thought there's a broader picture here right, that we right, need right, to bring right, together. Right. And that's why now we have five different pillar groups. How are you avoiding scope creep? Boy, there's been a lot of potential scope creep in this. A great example is as we worked with sustainable uh, Sustain SB, we identified six broad categories that would affect uh, our environmental health as a community. And it was food, energy, land and built environment, water issues, transportation, and waste and consumption. So within the transportation, I had teams for each of these groups and within the transportation team, they were looking at, okay, how can we reduce gasoline consumed per driver in Santa Barbara County? That was one of the core metrics. people started to bring up, well, a big reason why so much gasoline is consumed here is because people have to commute because they can't afford to live in Santa Barbara. So we have people driving from Santa Maria, up from Ventura. And so the way to address that is to get more density, which is to change zoning laws. And so then all of a sudden this, you know, environmental program became, how are we going to address housing issues in in Santa Barbara County? So there's so much creep potential. The way that I've been uh, really focusing on this is saying, look, let's get 1.0 done. Let's move forward and move the needle on 1.0. And if we then are successful there, we can start to add in some of these other creep components and hopefully have a ripple effect throughout the community in a lot of areas beyond just environmental. Where is the, um, where does economic development fit into all of this? Well, it, it's, a, it's a core component. Uh, so, you know, just as an example, we want to make this sustainable financially. So we're not wanting this to be just solely a donor-based program. And we have a couple different revenue models that we're looking at. First of all, there's a membership component where these organizations will be paying a membership fee to have access to the platform and to the different campaigns we're putting together. We have 300 pre-vetted campaigns that these organizations can tap into. Uh, and there's a lower price point for membership uh, for nonprofits and schools and faith-based organizations and for businesses, and it's all tax deductible. Uh, in addition to that, we said, wow, there's a lot of campaigns out there that uh, people need to buy something in order to fulfill it. So whether that's an energy-efficient appliance uh, or a LED light bulb, as an example, we could all buy LED light bulbs, and it would save us money personally as a consumer. It would have double the life of, of fluorescent light bulbs, and it's better for the planet. 
no brainer. So if we did a two minute video on LED and the power of LED, people could through the app click here to purchase an LED light bulb through Amazon. But then we thought, okay, economically, we wanna also support local retailers. So we wanna also be able to go to you know, Orchard Supply and other local retailers to also have them fulfill the energy efficient appliance or the LED light bulb. So we're going to be promoting consumption of goods and services that will be supporting these broader goals for the community. And in doing so, that should promote uh, some of the economic uh, success within our community. Are there other communities that are doing something like this that you looked at as a model? There aren't. There's a number that have just started, just like we are. So this is like really launching. Who, who are they? Uh, let's see. Boston has a program. Up in Canada, there's a couple communities that have a program. Uh, there's something called the Eco Challenge, which is uh, tied into Paul Hawkins' book, Drawdown. They now have 183 countries that are doing essentially what's a, a two-month sprint toward yep. uh, certain environmental practices. So we want to, and we've already spoken to Eco Challenge. we might be trying to tie them in, but our goal is to make not just a two-month sprint and then we go off our diet and then we go back to our bad eating habits, our <laughs> exercise habits or whatever. Right, we we right. want to be able to make this sustainable so right. we can have a sustainable future. Uh, so that's uh, essentially what we're doing is we're talking to some of these other communities. And our, our grand vision, Mark, is not just to make this work in Santa Barbara County, but we want to prove that this can work here in Santa Barbara County, which, by the way, we're the home to Earth Day 48 years ago yep. uh, after the oil spills in 1969. So we want to prove that it works so that in 2020, the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, we can actually spread this globally. So we want to make Santa Barbara an example for other communities to follow and then invite the world to join us. And it's all technology. It's easily scalable. Of course, we might have ocean-based activities that Kansas City wouldn't have to worry right. about. So right. every community is going to customize. But we have the ability to take this global. And I just said to myself after we got out of the, our country decided to get out of the Paris Climate Agreement, I said, you know, if, if not now, when? If not us, who? If not here, where? And Santa Barbara should be an example. And I just figured we could pull it off. So in taking a leadership role, <laughs> it was funny when you, when you walked in, you said, I'm, I'm working on another startup, mm -hmm. right? And, and all that that takes. And this could easily be a full-time gig oh, for, for uh, quite a few people. Yes, absolutely. And we have two roles. You know, we've had an incredible group of volunteers who've st stepped up. It's uh, a we, couple of hundred, isn't it? We have a hundred stakeholders who've gotten right. involved in this initial uh, two-year project. And now we have 22 uh, actual volunteers on Sustainable Future who have specific roles. So we have champions for the faith-based community. We have an engagement team that's working on campaigns. We have an advisory council. Uh, so beyond those volunteer positions, we also have two paid positions that we're looking to oh. hire. We haven't hired them yet, but a program director as well as a community manager. And so right now I'm fundraising to be able to try to bring on these full-time people because, you know, the worst thing I could do for this organization which is, you know, any founder should say is I should not be the bottleneck to it because I have a few other balls in the air. So I want to be able to make this sustainable, which means we need to get a dedicated staff that can really propel it forward. Yeah, that's a, a lofty goal. Yes. <laughs> um, so because I was thinking about how you scale it because you've got a great brand, right? Sustainable future. Tell me about how that came about because oh. it's, you know, having it, it was, what did you say it was? It was Sustain SB. Yeah, Sustain SB doesn't mean anything to me. Right. So let me tell you how the name evolved. Because uh, the reason I ask is how important branding is. Yes. And 
how important if you're going to do something that's not location based, mm-hmm. right? It can start in a place and be you can figure everything out in a place, but then how do you go global? It's like we do a TED talk here in Santa Barbara, but we're thinking about how is that going to land globally? So absolutely. Okay. So two years ago when we started, Sustain SB was the name because it was more narrow in scope. It's like, how can we help our community become more sustainable? Flash forward to this last winter and the Thomas fire tragedy hit our community really hard yep. and the debris slides thereafter. And off, yeah, I have a quote that I've always really valued, which is never waste a crisis. And I thought, here we are, you know, indeed in a crisis. And what can we do to help this be really a, a launching point for our organization? As I was thinking about that, I said, you know, people might be worried about climate change. And there's lots of evidence that, you know, shows that that is a dire concern for yep. you know, our world. But it's maybe 15, 20, 30 years down the road. And if someone's worried about their home being ripped out by a boulder that comes in overnight, that's clearly going to have a greater urgency and take precedence. So I said, you know, if we're wanting to not waste the crisis, we need to incorporate community resiliency in our campaign structure in addition to the environmental stewardship. And they actually link up. And, and with that mindset, I said, well, we and also our personal well-being needs to tie in because if someone's so stressed that they you know, can't even take care of themselves, they're not going to be a good steward for the planet or the community. So I said the word sustain is not working anymore. When it comes to a community that's going to come back from a tragedy like we had, we don't want to just sustain. We want to thrive. We want to prosper. Yep, yep. And we don't want it to just be Santa Barbara. So the SB didn't work. The sustain didn't work. And I was back to just an open canvas saying, I need to come up with a name that embodies this holistic definition of sustainability that's going to inspire people. And that's how I came up with sustainablefuture.org, because I think that really says it. Like, we all want a sustainable future. Who, who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't want that? Right. Well, there's probably people that say they don't want that, <laughs> but I don't know who they are. Um, tell me more about this never waste a crisis, because I, I kind of feel like that's my the pull quote for this show. Hmm. Right. It just tell me more about that. Well, you know, crisis, uh, when it happens, is never typically predicted. It's not something that anyone really invites. And usually the initial uh, reaction, of course, is, oh, my God, how horrible. You know, why me? Why us? How tragic? And, of course, when lives are lost and homes are destroyed, it is absolutely devastating. But there's also a a time, there's also a, a blessing in disguise where people are coming together in a time of a crisis. And we saw that here in our community. I mean, you live in Montecito. You've seen how people have come together and they've brought food for the workers and they've kept businesses open. And it's been really beautiful to see how our community has come together in this time of need. And so that energy, that uh, unifying collaborative energy that happens in the time of a crisis or reaction to a crisis is an energy that should be harnessed for good. It's an energy that can be really a a catapult to positive progress and transformation. And by that, I I just thought, let's not waste it. Let's make sure that people remember these tragedies and take that energy and let's do something good to help ourselves and the broader world to be more sustainable. So it's fair to say then that Earth Day was a result of the oil spill crisis. Exactly. So here, sustainable future is a coming out of the a phoenix, if you will, out of the ashes. The lotus, right? Rising from the muck. Yeah, yeah. We had we had plenty of that. Um, these kinds of operations, they're they're that's the hydra, right? You know, multi-headed, and there's just you, you get in everybody's business when you do these things. I was a 
You've, you've been here long enough to remember the Economic Community Project, mm-hmm. uh, the ECP. I was involved. It was the first public service I had ever done and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's the long-term plan for the community and how do we leverage what we have and all of that kind of stuff. How do you? How are you going to get out of the um, always having meetings and always talking about it and actually doing stuff? Kimberly likes to say, we no longer have the luxury of admiring the problem. Mm-hmm. Right? That's her. That's I, I just love all of the words in oh, yes. that, right? So we don't have the luxury of admiring the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you think that um, – so I'm going to try to answer the question, then you tell me if I'm wrong. App-based, you know who you're – that's number one. So it's it's with you. It's It's not out of sight. Um, it's your, your target demographic is the people who understand that it's an app and I'm going to download it on my phone, mm-hmm. the gamifying or, or actionifying it, right? So that there's, there's the clear, there's a goal and there's a mission and there's rules and you're on a team and we're going to measure our progress through points and we're going to get there and we're going to celebrate and people like to do that. Mm-hmm. And you're going to attract your, by definition, attract action oriented, goal driven people. Mm-hmm. Is that how it's going to be successful? Did I I say it all right? You did a great job. I would just add one piece, which is the tracking piece. So at the end of the day, we want to show that we're making progress. So it's not just about positive actions and, you know, attaboys and girls for, hey, you got a compost bin. But we actually want to have real data to track. Are we of the 5.3 pounds of waste that's generated per resident of Santa Barbara County? Can we reduce that 5.3 pounds the next time there's a count every two years and show that, wow, that went down to 4.8 pounds because we actually reduced the amount of disposables that were going into the landfill or we increased composting. So we want to show all these different uh, actions, which is great. Hey, we'd have a a million actions to reduce the use of straws because straws end up going to the landfill or the ocean or use paper straws or, you know, metal straws instead. But at the end of the day, we want to show that we're actually becoming more sustainable as a community. So we have a number of different uh, data points that can be tracked. And right now we're speaking to the county about possibly tying it into what's called the Climate Action Plan. And there's other programs at Bryn that they're talking about things we can tie it into. So that's what we're trying to narrow down, like what are the true KPIs that we want to measure? But it's clear that we want, you know, if there's millions of actions that are happening, they should have a collective positive impact that should be trackable. And then imagine after 2020, if we have this nailed down and we could have an Earth Day index that's spread globally and everyone with their phone on a real-time basis could be looking at how much gallons was conserved, water was conserved, energy was conserved, straws were not consumed, waste was not put into landfill. We could actually have a dashboard of shit. There's... um, the fifth point of gamification, which I forgot, which you brought up, which was the measurement, Mm -hmm. right? To have a great game, you have to have a scoreboard, Mm -hmm. right? Scoreboard is a way to measure, right? And like we're at the 50th yard line or whatever your Mm -hmm. measurement is, everybody is um, agrees to that being the thing which we'll measure. Yes. Uh, What is great about it being on the phone is there's a visual, an easy visual Mm -hmm. to go with that. Um, I just saw somebody, it was on the TEDx group on Facebook, uh, there's a woman who wants to make waste-free TEDx events. Mm-hmm. Like that's her mission. And what she'll do is she will consult 
that this was a California-based deal. She's in San Diego. And anybody in the, it's the Cali Baja cartel of TEDx organizers from Mexico. <laughs> There's a bunch of us, about 75 of us, that she'll come in and help make your TEDx waste-free. But what she does is she actually carries a jar with her and collects her waste, like her wow. stuff, so she can see it. It's clear. Yeah. And like there was, I was like, okay, there's you're walking. That's it awareness, there, right? That's a big part of it, um, which is interesting. I want to talk about stewardship for a second because I, the reason that's a loaded word, and I think there's an opportunity here for these uh, younger people. Uh, when I was, I'm going to say, 35 ish, uh, Peter McDougal, great man, you know, you know, legend in this town, yes. um, he took me aside and explained to me that as a citizen of this region, I had a duty. And that's when he had the stewardship talk. No one had ever talked to me like that before. He said, we need to keep this place the way to look at, you know, and I remember we were at CEC when it was up uh, on the road up to the Mesa. And he he said, look at the mountains. We have to keep it this way. And he, and he just kind of gave me the heritage. And he said, it's the elders talking to the next generation. That's you, Mark. And then your job is going to be to talk to the next generation mm -hmm. and talk about what it means to be a steward. And so whenever I hear that word, I hear Peter McDougall yes. in my head talking to me like that, just thinking, wow, no one's ever talked to me like that before, told me you have a responsibility as a citizen. And what you're suggesting is we have responsibility as global citizens. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, I had a wonderful one-on-one -on -one talk with Peter McDougall three weeks ago, oh. and he had the similar effect on me. I was at a visiting nurses uh, event, and we were, it was right after the disasters, and the Bucket Brigade and other organizations were being honored, and he knows what I'm doing with Sustainable Future, and he told me how much, you know, this is this is an honor to see you doing this, Seth Streeter, and I know you're going to do this and see this through, and I thought, oh, man, I, I don't want to let anyone down, but I especially don't want to let Peter down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, right? It is. He looks you right in the eye and oh yeah, you feel like, okay, I have to you know step up to this because he's counting yeah. on me. Uh, so yes, I think that stewardship is a really powerful, powerful word. And you know it's easy for all of us to get caught in our own bubble of life, our own, hey, we have to worry about our Bubba. own finances, our own health, our own homes, our own families, uh, our own workout time, our own meals. Like we're always thinking about our schedule and I'm guilty of this too. But if we really look around, think about how many things we're taking for granted, you know, as far as the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, um, you know, having a, a disaster-free area that's not having mudslides. And right now in you know, Hawaii, of course, there's the volcano. Just this morning. erupted this morning. Yeah. So there's constantly things that are happening, and it's clear that Mother Earth is not happy. I mean, if we just look at climate conditions all over the world, they're drastically changing, and we can't just sit passive and say, well, I'm just going to take care of my little life, and the world will take care of itself. We are inhabitants of this planet. We are contributors to the health of this planet, and we need to be intentional about what effects we're having and what little things we can do that collectively will make a big difference. That's being a steward. Um, back up to the platform, because you, you talked about sustainable future as a platform. I, when I think platform, I think software, but I think you're thinking bigger than that. Yes. How is it a platform? So it's, or another word I like is it's a movement, right? So there is a technology uh, baseline to it, and we're really fortunate to have partnered with a company out of Boston called WeSpire, 
and they're the largest employee engagement software company in the country. They work with uh, organizations, Fortune 100, like Unilever, Bank of America, Dell Computer, MGM uh, Resorts. So they're working with mega large companies uh, using their technology and their campaigns. But what we want to do is we want to still use that technology, customize it for a community initiative like we have. But again, it's not just about technology. It's about the get-togethers. It's about customizing campaigns that look and feel unique to Santa Barbara and unique to the organization that's promoting it. Uh, you know, as an example, Procore, a great construction uh, software company here in, in Carpinteria, they uh, have a group of very conscious-minded environmental uh, citizens within their company that were concerned about the uh, plastic utensils that were being disposed of every day in their yep. cafeteria. They yep. have 1,200 employees. And so uh, this gentleman came up with the idea, we should uh, buy uh, wooden sporks and knives that could be used in lieu of the plastics and we can uh, actually wash them and reuse them. So he now has 200 of his peers who've purchased these uh, sporks and knives, which are about $11 per set. And what I asked him, I said, well, what if you could have, you know, 2,000 of these purchased instead of just 200? What would happen to the price point? He said, oh, we could easily lower the price point below six bucks if we could just get more volume. So that's a great initiative that Procore is doing that's unique to Procore. Why are we not sharing that with Deckers and with the Santa Barbara School District and with other organizations, churches, that if we all went together, we could majorly reduce the amount of single-use plastic plates and forks and knives that end up in the landfill, all from an idea that just Procore had. So that's where the cross kind of pollination of ideas, which is what TED is all about, I think will really happen with this. And so it's technology, but it's idea sharing. It's coming together in person. It's these community events. And it's also leveraging uh, a lot of the great programs that our city and county have. So I was talking to someone from the county, and they have uh, an initiative where they'll come into businesses and train and set up composting programs. I didn't know that existed. They have a low-flow showerhead. Uh, they had like 4,000 low-flow showerheads they wanted to give out. Free. For free. They only had given out a couple hundred because they said it's hard to get people engaged. So we could do a water initiative, spread it amongst 10,000 users, get those showerheads into people's homes and start conserving water. So it's connecting the dots, and that's a lot of what the, what makes a movement to me beyond just technology. It's the coming together of ideas, of actions, and us realizing that we're all in this together. One of the things that hit me as you were talking about the the sporks is, you know, it starts with an idea, and one company figures out how to do it, and then that spreads and it becomes a movement, right? Mm -hmm. Have you seen the TED Talk where the how a movement begins? Yes, right. The, it, yeah, and have you seen the video of the guy dancing? Yeah, that's the, the one. concert. Yeah. Have you seen that, Patrick? Yeah. You're aware of it. No, I'm sorry. I'm I'm stuck on you, you earlier. You said uh, in a landfill, and I and I had that moment where I was like, and listening to kind of diagnosing, like, okay, where's all this coming from? Like, where's, where 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 are you? you know, deriving a lot of this drive from. And I think um, what I keep hearing in the background is like this, this, we, we just can't do that other thing. Like we just, we landfill is landfill. And the, uh, and the, the concept right now, like many, uh, you keep mentioning the straws and that's something that's a very hot topic right now because of the, the billions with a B of straws that are being used every year by people for no apparent good reason. And they're not ending up in the landfill is the problem. They're ending up the in, ocean. yeah, in the ocean and in our, our using environment. Yep. yep. And that's that's that right the microplastics that are coming out and all of that it's it's, and I don't want to say fear but but there's a there's an undeniable you you I keep hearing this over and over again and it's like we can't pretend like, like a single use piece of plastic makes sense 
it just doesn't. Right. And, and, and there's no there's no way to make those numbers. You're a numbers guy. There's no way to make those numbers line up. They just exactly. don't add up. And so, you know, finding a result. I'm sorry. You, you asked me a simple question about a video I saw, but I've, I've, been, no, quiet, no, 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 I've been quietly over here digesting uh, this, this anxiety of saying, like, you know, we can't, we can't let the businesses continue to just not know. Yes. That that information. And a there. great example of that is I recently flew back uh, from overseas and I brought my reusable water bottle and it was a 17 hour flight. I needed water. They would not refill it because they said it might contaminate the water that they poured into it could contaminate the source bottle. So they brought me what? individual cups of water to fill your to bottle. Fill, no, no, they wouldn't. They would bring me a separate cup of water. They said we can't refill it. So I got eight different individual cups. Each time had two straws in it. And I said, don't bring me straws, please. And like every time the guy would go, and I go, don't bring me straws. So he'd take the straw and put it in the trash. So wait, so And so if 400 people on this 747 yeah. times however many flights are happening all the time, time eight cups, times 16 straws. I mean, I was about ready to go bonkers on this flight. Oh we just gosh. need to change. Did you spend did, did you spend that 17 hours trying to figure out who to contact at the airline? Oh, I was just like beyond myself. Who at uh. this airline could I make could I could I <laughs> could I convince needs to like, you know, make this roll downhill, yes. you know. Yeah. Cuz clearly it wasn't the flight attendant. They had no, no. ability to deal with the but problem. But let me share something that's a really I think powerful example of how the, this platform can uh, change policy. Uh, you know, in Santa Barbara, another issue that's come up in our transportation team is actually bicycle riding in Santa Barbara is not that safe. There's a number of streets that have, uh, you know, major issues that either need improved bike lanes or don't have bike lanes and one-way streets that have extra dangers. And so one of the issues they said is, well, we're trying to figure out where to prioritize which streets need to get fixed. So on our platform, we have the, uh, a campaign. We'd say, identify which street in Santa Barbara you think is in most need of an improved bike lane. Mm. So we have 10,000 users on this platform within a year, which is our goal across 100 organizations. If 10,000 users then can put in, okay, these are the lanes that I believe, and then they can all vote. So there's a leaderboard, and we right. vote. So all of a sudden, I can take to the county and the city, here are the top 20 streets that are identified. This one got 170 votes. This one got 120 votes. This, these look to be like your lowest hanging fruit streets that you want to address. And when I spoke to the folks in city council, they said that would be amazing. We can't pull that data. We they don't can't have, pull it. We don't have the vehicle or the tool to pull no. that mm. kind of data. So we can pull the audience. Yeah. We can pull the audience, the community, our own citizens, and that can drive policy, which will make a greater impact. So there's a lot of possibility between kind of the upswelling of actual users every day using this on their phones and the decision makers who do care about wanting to make policy that makes sense. One of the one of the traps coming up, and I was glad to hear that you will have a, a full time person, which is the community manager. As you know, that's what I've been doing for 15 years is managing communities, and that is that's the hire that gets neglected 99% of the time. I have to right. tell you when they say, "Oh, that didn't work," and it was it's not a technology problem, as you've said three times, <laughs> right? It is not a technology problem. You know, engagement is it's, this is a people problem, right? Yes. Um, now you've got to you have to make it easy, remove all the friction. You've got to do all of that stuff. It pr yeah. presupposes you do all of that, and you make it easy to share, easy to engage, easy to do all of that stuff. And then they want to see that there was some action taken, right? Mm -hmm. There's all that. It, it it's not a easy problem to solve because we're dealing with humans, yes. right? <laughs> right. That's the challenge. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that there are um, there's a something called the community roundtable that I would uh, strongly encourage you to get a membership in. 
uh, based out of Boston. It is the, um, it's not a trade organization. It's a, it's a, a community of practice for uh, community managers of, in, in all different walks of life. It's a platform agnostic. Uh, it's industry agnostic, uh, but they share best practices. We have a great Facebook group. Uh, they they share best practices on you know how do you keep them involved? What do you do with? And they do a state of the um, state of community managed SOCM hmm. every year, which is a ninety page report that's free. You just you trade your email it's, for it. It's free, but but nobody knows about it. Yeah. Right. I, well, I, the people in in the, the community, you know, it's because I can't talk about it enough because. What happens is people come to me and say, well, your thing didn't work. And I says, well, yeah. no, my thing works really well, but it's like you ask me to build a garden. I do the garden, and then I come back in six months. It looks like crap. Yeah. And I say, you should fire your gardener. And they go, we didn't gardener? Have, we didn't have a gardener. We don't have a gardener. <laughs> yeah. you didn't t- I said, I told exactly. you to get a gardener. Well, we were busy. Yeah. Yes. You know, and that's what's going to happen. We already spent so much money on all the vegetables. Right. And, and, and that's exactly what happens. People spend all this money on infrastructure right. and then they don't have any money left. So I'm just, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. And that's such a critical part. There's another word you want to look up called network weaving. Have you ever, ever heard of that one? Mm-hmm. Network. <laughs> that's, that's another buzzword. I'm, I was I'm say, buzzwording Mark's, my own self. Yeah. You've been doing that all day. Yes. Great. Uh, yeah. uh, network weaving is a, a concept of how you weave these networks together. And that's kind of what, what you're wanting to do. Uh, Ken Saxon is the one who introduced me to that term. Yes. Uh, good another, friend of mine. And yeah. a good friend of the show and, you know, good guy. There's a lot of conversation around uh, the, the audience to come, the people to come. And, and, and how generation these generational shifts of, of power and authority, which is to say that the people who are in charge of business right now are you know, operating on a paradigm that, of, of previous business. Thinking. Digital immigrants. Right, sure. Um, or digital tourists, you know, who, who just swing through for a moment <laughs> and, then, and, they, and hate the experience and then go back out with Montezuma's Revenge. But um, <laughs> that was a little bit of a terror. Nice. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, but, but I feel like, like uh, what I hear is, 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 is you kind of setting the stage for this emerging group of people like you said earlier uh for the millennials but even you know my my daughter the eight-month-old daughter um those people are going to need to have uh receptive platforms that are going to speak to to the planet they're going to inherit not the one that they're leaving behind and i I think that there's a certain amount of like cutting cutting and run like like okay i can't convince this industry these people this group because They've are they've they did this. Mm-hmm. They already went for the lowest common dollar. You know, right. they're the ones who are in charge of the airline that's giving you these eight cups of water because right. well, there's an ordinance that says you can't go back to the salad bar with a dirty plate. You yeah. know, yeah. because somewhere along the line that solved our problem more than just saying, well, is there another way to solve that problem mm-hmm. that's more environmentally sound? The value systems of problem solving, right? Like like the way in which we're solving problems. Yeah. All the ones that you seem uh, that I seem to be hearing are 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 with that intent of how can we make this healthier? How can we make this yeah. better for us? And that generation is willing to work for companies uh, with a lower pay if it's a, a mission or a purpose that they feel aligned with. They're the consumers <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. who are willing to spend a little bit more for a product that is sourced a certain way. If or they organic. understand what's happening. They are going to be, they're already more intentional in how they operate. Yeah. And so they're the ones that we really need to be leaning on to say, hey, you know, our, our, our boomer generation, our X generation, we've, we've given it a heck of a shot, but we really need you to step up and show us the way on some of these things. And it is gonna be through technology. It is gonna be through community. They're not looking just to have big brother government or big big brother uh, existing uh, you know, answer, answer pool to drive them. They're skeptical by nature. 
They're going to figure it out on their own. They're going to look at what their peers are doing. They're going to want to see tangible results. And they think differently and they operate differently. And this is really designed to take that mindset and give them the power to make change. Well, and the, and that change is attainable in their mind, right? Like they're, yeah. the, you, the things, they can, things can affect and happen and, and yeah. arrive. There's a new app will change how I – because I think in their entire experience in life – Every couple of years, there's a, a gross change that a magnificent, significant technological advancement happens in their hands. So, of course, you know, right. change is going to be part of how they expect the future to operate. Whereas our generation much more thinks like, well, if we could just get to a, a plateau and just hold. Right. And just and just right. once I get my dream house, my dream family, I'm my good. dream job, yeah. I'll just hold and I'll be right. good. No. They they're, don't hold. They're thinking differently. I'm speaking to the Bryn Graduate School uh, next Thursday. And they have, you know, 80 of these brilliant grad students who are largely in their young 20s who came from the top undergraduate programs. And it's an interdisciplinary program with uh, environmental studies, uh, biz econ, and poli sci. It's a great room. And so they're creating an ecopreneurship program. So business, viable businesses that will run and be profitable that also are making a difference uh, with, the, with the planet. And so... Speaking to people like that, it actually gives you a lot of hope uh, oh, versus leading yeah. the, reading the late night uh, you know Twitter posts that happen. <laughs> it, it, there is hope, and and that's a contagious energy I like to keep you know trying to support. I go, so I we've go. had some of those ecopreneurs on the show, so nice. and and uh, Steve Gaines, mm -hmm. uh, you know head of the Bren Center, uh, we've had on the show. We've had on the TED stage. He's mm -hmm. you know he's another one of those bright lights. It's a, it's one the Bren School is one of those jewels in the crown of Santa Barbara. <laughs> yes that uh, is kind of sitting on the back of the crown. You know what I mean? People don't, it jewels there and they don't know it's there. It's like Moni's Tacos. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. It's it's one of those amazing places. I mean, I, I dip into that for Ted, mm -hmm. right? That's a place, a, a reservoir for that. Yes. I want to, um, you had said something about, you said earlier, and I didn't catch it. It's the coming together of ideas and? Events. Is that what it is? Uh, is it? Activities. I mean, it's yeah. people. It's, it's, it's ideas from these different organizations. It's resources from these different organizations. And then it's empowered action from this collective mm -hmm. body of thousands of individuals. And what's, what's interesting to think about is the ongoing support someone may have from multiple circles from these pillars that they're touching. So yep. they might work for this company. Their kids might go to these two schools. They might be part of this church or synagogue. They might attend this city or county event. And so they're going to get constant reinforcement from these existing tribes that they're in. Yeah. And I think that's part of what, you know, in addition to having the community manager and the program director, we want this to be reinforced by the organizations that they're living and breathing in every day. So that's why we're really going after the organizational level, not just a bunch of individuals, because the organizations will want to promote this because it makes sense from their HR perspective if you're a company. This is how you recruit young talent. This is how you retain young talent. They care about social impact. And it's going to then have a, a, a nice ripple effect into all the individuals who are living within or purchasing from uh, these different organizations. So we learned from John Silva, who was on the show recently, um, one of the top marketing guys in the region, is like, how do you get to this group of people? Like, how do you cut through the clutter? What, mm -hmm. it, what you, the, You've got the hardest job is marketing and advertising. How do you do it? And he went a master class that was go back listener and make sure you catch that show. Hmm. But he said, John Silva uh, with Dupuy, uh, the Dupuy group, he said, people 
by values, not value. And you're a values-based organization, I mean, pure and simple, right? And so, and having those values front and center and the market you're going after, they care about the provenance, they care about craft, they care about, all, th those are, it's like perfect organization with a perfect audience at the perfect time. Yes. It sounds like you're sitting at the, the center of all that. I'm curious, is it in your charter that someone would, I'm looking at the sustainable future um, a logo, which is both a, a leaf and uh, if you squint, it's a strand of DNA. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I haven't thought of the DNA. It's also, well, I meant it to be- Leaf and water. An infinity symbol. Yes. And our tagline, impact forever today, ties into that forever component of the infinity symbol, which is also a leaf. I love it. Is that the kind of thing you see is a brand on someone's website that they're a member of this organization? That if you get to that ubiquity. Good housekeeping. That, exactly. Yeah, that, exactly. That, would, that would be a, a beautiful vision to be able to have this be something that people are proud to be a part of. Right. It's a, it's a positive for their product, for their employee base and they are a contributor to it, absolutely. Yeah, That's the goal. And you're a member of something. This isn't something you buy. You're a member of something. You're so in the we're, movement. We're all, you're in the movement. Alice's Restaurant. There's we're, five of us on the bench. It's a movement. It's a movement. <laughs> it's a for, movement. For, uh, hey, kids, go look up Alice's Restaurant. You'll, <laughs> you'll know what I mean. Um, we're at the end of a, another wonderful conversation, Patrick. Yes. We have, uh, we've just blown through our guest's time. And we know that this is the time, and you've been through this before, where we get to put a bow around this and give it a title. What are we calling this conversation? Hmm. Time, time for action, time for change, never waste a crisis. Uh, I, I always like never waste a crisis. I thought that was because you know, ultimately what we're working with with the titles is like we just need to get them in the door. You know, right. you're just yeah. the title is just the the wiggly wind guy in front of the uh, yeah. the car dealership. The, the <laughs> Subway sandwich shop. Is that yeah. what they're called, wiggly wind guys? I don't know. I, I like that. No, my that's... wife bought me one for my birthday, so it's just it's it's in the closet. Occasionally, we bring it out because it's. I want to see that at pancakes. Okay, we'll put it out for. It's kind Thank of loud. You. It turns out <laughs> a wind machine in a squiggle guy. Yeah. Anyway, the point being is that is that uh, once they get through the door, then then we'll we'll have them hooked anyway. So. Just false advertising is what I say. Just, you know, but just. Like <laughs> I love it. Seth, I, you know, I remember the first time you and I had a conversation. I think it was uh, in the courtyard behind Pete's and someone had said, you two guys need to get together because of your vast networks. And we got together and we figured that out pretty quickly. Yes. Uh, that were the, those guys, guys. right? Yeah. And uh, I just appreciate you stepping up and leading this. This is a significant amount of work. And so just on behalf of us, thank you. Uh, I'd love to have you in the next you know, couple of years come to the TED stage and talk about this and the idea behind it and the idea of the movement. When Once you've got some, we've, we've got some, some milestones. Yeah, some yeah. things that we have been accomplished. Uh, we'd love to have you do that. We'd and always have an open invitation to come back uh, if, if our uh, amplification helps. Because as you know, we're in 42 countries and you know people who are listening to this now might want to go to sustainablefuture.org and start to understand what you're doing and maybe 
there's a way to amplify and, and build this out. So that'd be beautiful. Very appreciated. Thank you. Yeah. So I thank you so much for for joining us. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Polstering Press. If you're interested in partnering with us or, as we're starting to hear, people want to do a podcast. Yeah. Patrick, how do they do that? Call us. There you go. <laughs> Send Old us school. an email. Um, there's, a, uh, there's very little barrier to entry on the idea of a podcast, and yet it seems like there's a lot of people with really good ideas, and they just they just need that extra. It's not even so much the technical prowess. The, right. techni- the, the, right. the technology exists probably in their hand, um, but but what they might need is a mentor, somebody to, to guide them through that process. We are those mentors. Uh, we've put out hundreds and hundreds of podcasts now, uh, and we are, but we're always hungry to put out a good idea. So if you have a, a good message or a good idea for a podcast and you feel like you need an audience to share that with, uh, come talk to us. We can link you up with that audience. Drop us a note to podcast at 805connect.com and then we'll get in touch with you. And, you know, I figured out it's four P's. You know, I like alliteration. Of course. Right. So what's the plan? Okay. You're just going to give it to them right now. Go ahead. Yeah, totally. (laughs) What's the plan? Open source. How do they produce it? Yes. How do they publish it? How do they promote it? Yeah. So those are four big wells that we got to dip I into. Maybe you could apply that to, to, to so many parts of life, and yet it's a struggle to kind of get the vocabulary for it. Exactly. So I'm glad that you've, you've got that. Once I figured that yeah. out, then it was like, okay, now I know what we're talking about. And yeah. I've been helping people. People have been getting a hold of us. You know, and it's great that the easy stuff gets out of the way first, and then we can work on the hard stuff. I love it. And I would love to hear from you if you have ideas for – uh, someone we should have on the show. You want to introduce us to someone that is, um, this show is 100% comes from interesting emails we get from Mark. You've got to meet this guy or this woman has to be on the show or this, you know, this thought leader or change agent. And we love that. Drop me a note, mark at 805connect.com. And thank you so much for that. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. Mm-hmm.